All right, Acts 10.38, I didn't really, uh, we're looking more at a theme, but I didn't really, I could have started in a lot of different places. I just went ahead and took this text as a basis for what we're going to be looking at tonight. The Bible says in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, just kind of give you a little bit of background Jesus was and is the exact representation of who God is. He is God made visible in the flesh. He's the word of the Bible says in John 1 and 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so when we look at Jesus, we see God, we see the nature of God, the character of God. If you wanted to see what God was like visibly, you would look at Jesus. And you also see the goodness of God revealed through Jesus. He went around doing good. And how was he doing good? Healing all those that were oppressed of the enemy. In Hebrews 1, 2, and 3, just to give you a basis for that, it says, in these last days, spoken to us by his Son, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and holding all things by the word of his power, when he by, he by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So uh, what it's basically saying is that he is the express image of the Father. In our text, we see that Jesus revealed God's nature and will by doing good, which he accomplished by healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That being said, even though he was God in the flesh, we cannot forget that all he did was as a man empowered by the Spirit of God. So it's kind of like, Everything he did on this planet, he put his Godhood aside, and he did as a man in whom the Spirit of God resided, so that he is our Savior, he is our Lord, but he is the exact or perfect example of what humankind is supposed to be. When you look at Jesus, you see what we should aspire to, right? And you say, well, how can I aspire to be like God? You're aspiring to be like Jesus, who didn't function as God. He functioned as a man empowered by the Spirit of God, right? It says in Philippians 2, 6 through 7, Who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. So it's not, if not as God, how then did Jesus reveal and do the will of God? He did so through the Holy Spirit and through the Spirit's power. It's this Holy Spirit and power that I want to look at today and see what we can learn in our quest to accomplish the will of God in our lives, through our lives today. And how many of you know that God desires that we would accomplish his will? Not my will, but thy will be done. Seek ye first my will. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? Uh, uh, seek ye, and, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So first point we want to look at, and we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament because I want you to realize that this is a theme that runs throughout Scripture, is that the Spirit works through Moses. Numbers eleven sixteen and 17, and then verse 25. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel. And kind of a little backdrop here. Moses was tired. He was angry. Uh, I'm tired of leading all these people. And God said, I'm going to give you some help. So he said, Get me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. 
I will take of the spirit that is upon you. So what do we learn about this? Moses is functioning. How is he functioning? By the spirit of God. Now, in the Old Testament, the spirit of God was not within, but the Holy Spirit would come upon he didn't reside within people, but he would come upon people and enable them and anoint them to do things that God needed them to do or wanted them to do or was calling them to do. And so how did Moses do what he did? The Spirit of God came on his life. The Spirit of God uh, empowered him to lead. Okay? And so he said, I will take of the Spirit that is upon you, and I will put the same Spirit upon them. Now notice, this is, we're not going to talk about this today. In a sense, we will, but not so much. But I want you to see that God purposely didn't say, I'm going to put a Spirit of God on them as well. He said, no, I'm going to take of the Spirit that's on you, and I'm going to put it on them. We may not like the way God works, but God works through people. And God works through people that he has called. We like to live in a democratic society. We like to say, well, we'll vote the person that we want in, but that's not the way God works. God calls people, anoints people, and we have to learn how to honor, recognize the people that God has called, honor them, and if we will position ourselves properly as we uh, follow God in the kingdom of God and follow his leadership, it actually positions us to be empowered with a greater anointing than we could ever have on our own. Okay, so anyway, he will say, I'll take of the spirit that is upon you, and I'll put the same spirit upon them, and, you shall, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear yourself alone. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders, and it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Then if we move to Numbers 27, 18 through 20, Moses, and then verses 23 through 23, and you'll see that up there on the screen, what you're going to find is that Moses is getting older. God had already said to him, you're not going to take the Israelites into the promised land uh, because of a, of a mishap that he had earlier on. And, and Moses' cry was, God, raise somebody up that will lead these people into their divine inheritance, that which you promised them. So Moses wasn't just living for himself. He was living for the people of God that they would find their purpose, their inheritance, their destiny in Christ. And so the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. And then we'll drop down to verse 20. And you shall give some of your authority to him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be, may be obedient. And then in verse 22, Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua, set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation, and he laid his hands on him and inaugurated him just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Now, I think Dad did a study on this when he did the foundations uh, the elementary foundations that are found in the book of Hebrews, the laying on of hands is more than just a ceremony. Something can be, it's not always done this way, but something can be when God is in it imparted to somebody when you lay hands on them. And what is imparted unto them is not because it's your will, it's because it's God's will, but we have the ability to be used by God as an instrument to allow God not that God can do whatever he wants, but he's chosen to work through people that allows God the freedom to move in lives of other people as we follow his precedent and follow his will. So as Moses laid his hands on Joshua, it was more than just an inauguration. There was actually a spirit 
of leadership that came upon Joshua. And you say, well, I don't see that in that text. You're right. So we'd have to go to Deuteronomy 34, verse 9. And it says in Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So how did Joshua get equipped by the Spirit of God? How did he receive the Spirit of God through another man, through Moses? How did that happen? Through the laying on of hands, right? It's the Spirit of God that's equipping him, but God is using an instrument, Moses, on whom the Spirit was, to bring that empowerment into the life of Joshua. Now, I don't believe God puts things in Scripture just just to do things. I think he's trying to teach us things in Scripture as well. So what we see in these verses is that in the Old Testament, Moses did what he did through means of the Spirit of God that rested on him and equipped him to do what God was asking him to do. And at the command of God, Moses imparted the Spirit to others, and they likewise, empowered by the Spirit of God, began to do the work that Moses himself was also doing. So we see that in the Old Testament. Now let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to Christ. And that brings us to our second point. The Spirit works through Jesus. Again, our text was how God anointed. That word anointed means God set apart, God empowered through the Spirit of God. Jesus of Nazareth, how did he anoint him? With the Holy Spirit and with power. And because of the anointing that was on his life through the Spirit of God, he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So who is the battle really with? It's between God and the devil. And what is the battle for? For the souls of men. Correct? So how did Jesus do battle with the devil? By healing, restoring, saving, delivering, freeing people. And how did he do that? Through means of the Spirit of God. Not through eloquent words of wisdom, not through great moral character, although he had all of those, but through the empowerment of the Spirit of God. Well, he was God. I thought we already covered that ground. He is God, but everything he did in this planet, when he walked upon this planet, he did it as a man empowered by the Spirit of God, right? And so Jesus had the Spirit in him from the moment that he was born. He was conceived of, a, of the Spirit of God that, uh, um, that uh, uh, fertilized a human egg, Mary, and through that conception he had a human form, but he had uh, um, the Spirit of God in his life from the moment that he was conceived. The Spirit of God, he was, he was always in relationship with God. You, you understand what I'm saying? We're born and we're not born in relationship with God, for all have and fallen short of the glory of God, right? That's why we need to be saved. Jesus didn't have to be saved because he, he wasn't conceived in sin. He didn't have the sin nature in him. Because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, he didn't have sin in him. And so the Spirit of God was resident in his life from the moment that he was uh, uh, born. And then the Bible says in Luke 3.22, not only did he have the Spirit of God in him, but the Spirit of God came upon him in Luke 3.22 when he was being baptized by John. John says the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Now, that's a dove, symbolic of the Spirit of God. But what happened, it's, it's described immediately after that in Luke 4, 1 through 2, that says Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, we're not going to touch on this this morning either, but there's also a link. You can be filled with the Spirit but not move in the power of the Spirit to the extent that we could. How do we learn to flow in the power of the Spirit? Through purity, through right decisions, following after God. If, you sell, if you're self-seeking in your decisions and you're selfish in your nature, the power of God is not going to flow through you to the extent as if you learn how to be selfless and learn how to resist the enemy. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Well, how can you say that? Because Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He had the Spirit of God in him. He was full of the Spirit of God, but he was led into temptation to be tempted of the devil. Now, he resisted the temptation. He stood on the promises of God against all the onslaught of the enemy. And then what happened after that, as he was coming out of the wilderness, the Bible says in Luke 4, 14 through 15, Jesus returned where? From the wilderness, from the victory over the temptations of the enemy. He he went in full of the Spirit, but he returned in the power of the Spirit. In the power. There is a link even though we get baptized with the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power if the Spirit comes upon you. There is a link between power and purity. Right? Now, power also flows through your life. There are people that aren't where they need to be, but the power of the Spirit of God still flows through their life because of faith. There are, there are several pillars through which the power of God is allowed to flow into your life, but one of those is purity. Resisting the enemy, living for God. Amen? So he comes out in the power of the Spirit of God, and the Bible says news of him went throughout all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And then he gets up in the synagogue, and he teaches in verse 18. The first thing he reaches for is Isaiah chapter 61, and he quotes this passage, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. You know, the Spirit of God doesn't come on your life just for you to feel good. I like to feel good. I like it when the Spirit of God comes on my life. The Spirit of God doesn't just come on your life for you. The Spirit of God on the Spirit of God in you is for you. The Spirit of God on you is for other people. How can you say that? Because let's look at what happened. He said, "The Spirit of God upon me is uh, He has anointed me. The Spirit of God has come upon me to preach the gospel to, not to myself, to the poor." to someone else, right? The Spirit of God upon me, He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, not myself, to heal someone else. So the Spirit of God is upon Him for others to accomplish the will of God through His life. And He goes on, He says, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Again, that brings us back to the summary in Acts 10.38. Jesus of Nazareth was full of the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How did he do that? By means of the Spirit of God that, that, that was in his life and that was upon his life. And because of that Spirit, what happened afterwards, after they rejected him in the synagogue, he went out to Simon Peter's house, and at Simon Peter's house, we see it says in, in Luke 4.40, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. 
How did he heal them? My thesis, my, what I'm trying to present to you tonight, understanding is that he healed them through means of the Spirit of God of which he was anointed, which rested upon his life, which equipped him to do the will of God and the work of God. And through the Spirit of God that was in him and on him, he healed all those that came to him. Right? So, how did Moses do the work? And how did the people that were called to help Moses do the work? Through means of the Spirit of God that came upon them. How did Jesus do his work? How was it that he preached? How was it that he healed? How was it that he set people free? By means of the Spirit of God that was upon him. You hearing what I'm saying? So, let me, let me just uh, uh, encapsulate that with one more uh, 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 paragraph that we're going to look at here, one more incident. There was a woman in Luke 8, 43 through 48. There was a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. She came from behind. She touched the border of Jesus's garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those who were with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Where did that power come from? What power are we talking about? We're talking about the power of the Spirit of God. How did Jesus heal people? Through the power of the Spirit of God that rested on his life. Are you seeing a theme here? Right? So we see that the Holy Spirit worked through Jesus as the power of God on his life was released into others, and that power brought healing, deliverance, and freedom for all who were oppressed by the devil. Amen? So that brings us to my third point. The third point is the Spirit of God works through his disciples. John 14 and 12, Jesus turned to the disciples and he said, Moshe, surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Why? Because I go to my Father. Why was it important that Jesus went to the Father? We're going to look at it here in a minute, but in a nutshell, when he went up, the Spirit of God came down. Right? We'll see that here in a minute. Mark 16, 15 through 18, Jesus said, these are the works that you're going to do. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How are we going to be equipped to preach the gospel? How are we going to do that? What did we see that Moses had? What did we see that Jesus had? What we're going to find is the same thing that equipped them to do their work is the same thing that's going to equip the disciples. And by the way, I didn't put a second uh, point here because we are his disciples. Not just talking about the apostles, he's talking about us. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow all my apostles. Is that what it says? These signs will follow all those who believe. All, well, I believe in the Lord, and these signs don't follow me, because it's, it's more than that. It is that, but it's more than that. All these signs will follow those who believe these signs will follow them. You have to mingle 
the Bible teaches in Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 3, you've got to mingle God's Word with faith. The word believe means faith. You have to believe in what God says enough to act, to act upon what God says. And what are these signs? These signs will follow. In my name, they will cast out demons. I can't cast out demons. Well, no, I can, but Jesus can. And guess where Jesus lives? Inside of me. How does he live inside of me? By means of the Spirit of God. If that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, for that Spirit dwells in you. Right? They will speak with new tongues. I can't speak in other tongues, no, but when the Spirit of God baptized me in the Spirit of God, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Why didn't I know I got baptized with the Spirit of God? Because when the Spirit of God came upon me, I spoke with other tongues. How did you do that? I don't know. I still don't know how I do it. It's by the power of the Spirit of God. I don't have to know how to do it. I just have to trust and believe and by faith enter into the promise that he gave me. Right? I don't know how people get healed when we pray for them. It's not my job to figure it out. My job is to believe and to obey. Right? But it does help to know that it's through the Spirit of God that Moses did what he did, the Spirit of God that Jesus did what he did, and it's through the Spirit of God, what we'll see here, that we're able to do what he's called us to do. All right? They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. How are, how are they sick going to recover? You're going to lay hands on them. Well, wait a minute. But what is that going to do? Is that a ritual? Is that just a ceremony? Remember what happens when Moses laid hands on Joshua? The Bible says the Spirit of God then came upon his life and equipped them to lead. So what we're going to get to here in a minute is that there's something about uh, uh, that you carry that you can impart to other people uh, that will actually help them to recover, to get whole, to be made whole. You carry something that God wants to give away through you. How did the disciples of Jesus do the works that he did? Through the Holy Spirit. Was that a surprise? Because I must have said it like 10 times already. I just didn't want it to be a surprise. John 16 and 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Remember, I gave you a sneak peek already. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, how did the Spirit come? Well, first of all, you have three ways. The Spirit within. Okay, John 3, 3 through 6. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, which is born naturally into this world, and born of the Spirit, which is what happens when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we get saved, the Spirit of God comes and indwells within us. And when the Spirit of God comes and indwells within us, we now have entry into the kingdom of God. You can gain entry into a church by walking on the doors. You can gain entry into a church by signing a membership card. You can gain entry into a church by a lot of different means, but gaining entry into a church does not make you or give you entrance into the kingdom of God. 
How do I gain entrance into the kingdom of God? You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you must confess your sins. I am, I am a sinful man without you, and unless I believe that you died on the cross and bore my sins, and you are my Savior and my salvation, and I give my life to you. See, too many people are, are, are getting saved by just saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And I'm not, I'm not in any way negating that, but really Christianity is about recognizing that I have to renounce my allegiance to the devil, I have to renounce my allegiance to myself, and I need to give my allegiance to God. Why do we have so much poverty and weakness, and I'm not talking about money, in the, in the church is because the church, even though they're saved, they're going to heaven, they're powerless because they're serving themselves. Never got off the throne of their life. The only way Christianity works is when we renounce the throne of our life and let Jesus sit on the throne. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So, when were the apostles born again? When they walked with Jesus, they functioned in this planet under Jesus' authority, but like us, they needed to be born again. When that happened, Jesus died, ascended into heaven, and then he appeared to them, and he said in John 2, 20, 21 through 23, Jesus said to them, Peace be to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I believe, my personal opinion, at that moment, they were born again. The Spirit of God indwelt them. Right? Could have indwelt them before because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but the Holy Spirit had not been released. Now the Holy Spirit was released, and those that believed the Holy Spirit now took up residence inside of them because we are the temple of the living God. Amen? So then... Now, then Jesus immediately says to them, um, he appears to them over a period of 40 days, and then on his last time appearing to them, he said, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise from my Father. You shall receive power, Acts 1 and 8, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So what happened on that day is as they spent 10 days, and the reason they had to spend 10 days tearing was because they had to wait for the day of Pentecost, which was when God chose to pour out the Spirit of God upon their life. And when God poured out the Spirit upon their life, then that promise, they had the Spirit of God within them. Now the Spirit of God came upon them, and the Spirit of God that came upon them equipped them to do the works of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It equipped them, and this is the third thing we're going to look at, so that the Spirit of God could work through them. Are anybody saved here tonight? Three of us. Okay, four, five, we have six, seven, eight people getting saved. They're getting saved all over the room. <laughs> I don't need to. They're getting saved right away. How many of y'all been baptized with the Holy Spirit? So the Spirit of God is in you. And the Spirit of God has come upon you. What is the purpose? Remember, Jesus said, the Spirit of God, is, he is, God has anointed me too. 
what is the purpose of the Spirit of God coming upon you so that God could work through you? 2 Timothy 1, 6-7, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you, how? Through the laying on of my hands. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, he said, I long to come to you, the Roman church, so that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that, well, that's the Apostle Paul. Yes, it's the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul was a man just like Jesus, just like Moses, in whom the Spirit of God resided. What made Paul different, what made Jesus different, what made Moses different is they recognized they had something in them. Moses recognized he had something upon him because God told him. Jesus knew he had something in him, and Paul knew he had something in them. I want to give away to you something that God has deposited in me. I want to give it away to you. And it tells Timothy, I did give you something when I laid my hands on you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We don't recognize that we too, and we need to recognize, have something within us that we can give away. Acts 3, 6 through 8, Peter said to a man that was asking alms of him, he said, silver and gold I do not have, just like a preacher. I don't have money, but I want your money. No, he didn't say that. He said, I don't have money to give you. Now, I'm not sure he probably had a few coins, but that's not really what we're getting to. He's not really saying, I, I, what, if I give you money, that's really not going to help you. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have... I give you. I want you to notice that Peter recognized he had something. You can't give away what you don't think you have, right? Now, listen, I've known a few people in my life, and I've known people that had money that acted like they had no money. Because in their mind, they didn't have money, right? So if you don't have something, how can you give away what you don't have? right? You've got to know. You can, you can have, and I'm telling you, you have the Spirit of God in you if you're saved, and if you've been baptized the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is upon you, but if you don't know what you have, you can live your life as if you're in poverty when really you are wealthy and rich with the Spirit of God and the power of God that resides in your life. You hear what I'm saying? Peter recognized what he had. He said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him up by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately that man's feet and his ankle bones received strength. Where did the strength come from? Did it come from Peter? No, it came through the Spirit of God that indwelt Peter, that was upon Peter. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he... The man who had been lame and who had now received strength in his ankles and in his feet, he now was leaping up, stood, walked, entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God. Now, I want you to know, if you did a study on that, every dimension of his life was impacted physically, emotionally, or solely, and also spiritually. When the Spirit of God touched his life, he was healed, spirit, soul, and body. You hear what I'm saying? Now, let's go back to Paul. Acts 19, 11 through 12. Sometimes we, we did, this, actually this last week, we had a testimony about 
uh, praying over handkerchiefs, and when we prayed over his handkerchiefs, we gave them away. Well, what happened there in Acts 19, 11 through 12, and I think we actually did read the scripture, God, the Bible says God works. So who's doing the work? Unusual miracles. How does he do the work? By or through the hands of Paul. How is the Spirit of God on Paul's life? I mean, how is God on Paul's life? Through the Spirit of God. And what is God doing through Paul? He's doing miracles through Paul to touch other people. In this particular instance, it, it says so that even, it doesn't say this is the only way it happened, this possibility that Paul was uh, speaking life to people and has preached the Word of God, the Spirit of God was released in the atmosphere. There's also a possibility he was laying hands on the sick. Uh, there's, a, there's also what it says here, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. Now, why is it significant that the, the, hang, uh, the claws and the handkerchiefs were on his body? Because when he was preaching, the anointing of God was on his life. The anointing of God is the Spirit of God that empowers him to do what he did. And somehow, when he was under the anointing, that Spirit of God would infuse the, 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 the claws that were on his body. And listen, it was, it's, it's by faith, but the reality is there is something to that, that when they took those claws and laid it on other people, they got saved, healed, delivered, and set free. But it's the Spirit of God. It's not magic. It's the Spirit of God that rested on Paul. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I've already quoted this before in Romans 8, 9 through 11. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. He's talking to the church. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he doesn't belong to God. All of y'all said you belong to God, so the Spirit of God is in you. And if Christ is in you, so Jesus, God, is in you through means of the Spirit of God. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. And the life I live by the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ in you, Christ in us by means of the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And not only will it give life to you, if you learn how to work with the Spirit of God and how to release the Spirit of God, it'll bring life to others. It can heal them, spirit, soul, body. Jesus, anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Spirit, soul, body, every dimension of their life. How? Through means of the Spirit of God that's in you, God wants to release it so it impacts through you. I'm trying to help you to understand who it is that lives inside of you. Quote from John G. Lake. Lengthy quote, but I think it'll help you. He's talking in particular about divine healing. He said, divine healing is that particular phase of ministry in which the modern church does not measure up to the early church. This failure has been due to a lack of knowledge of the real nature and the real process of Christian healing. The power was the Holy Ghost of God, both in Jesus Christ after his baptism in the Holy Ghost and the disciples after the baptism of the Holy Ghost came upon them on the day of Pentecost. Now, how many of you know that's what we talked about, right? It flowed through the hands of Jesus to the sick. 
it permeated the garments he wore. When the woman touched even the hem of his garment, there was sufficient of the power of God there for her need. The disciples healed by the same means, by the same method. Indeed, the Apostle Paul, realizing this law, permitted the people to bring to him handkerchiefs and aprons that they might touch his body. And they, when they were carried to the sick, the sick were healed through the power of God that infused the handkerchiefs and the demons that inhabited their persons left. Herein is shown the secret of the early church, that which explains the whole miracle-working power of the apostles and the early church for 400 years. The same is evident in branches of the modern church. Herein is revealed the secret that has been lost. That secret is the conscious, tangible, living, incoming, abiding, outflowing spirit, outflowing spirit of God through the disciple of Christ who has entered into blood-washed relationship and baptism in the Holy Ghost. This is the secret that the modern church from the days of the Reformation onward has failed to reveal. We have, however, retained the form of godliness, but have denied the power thereof. When Jesus laid his hands on people, the Holy Ghost was imparted to them in healing virtue. When the disciples and early Christians likewise laid their hands on the sick, the Holy Ghost was imparted through them to the needy one. Likewise, the Holy Ghost was imparted to preachers for the work of the ministry, including healing. Primitive church history abounds in examples of healing in the same manner. Paul specifically enjoins Timothy to forget not the gift or the power that is in thee that came through the laying on of my hands. It was an impartation of the Holy Ghost to Timothy for the work of the Christian ministry. God gave the blood of Jesus to the Christian church. God gave the power of healing to the Christian church in the Holy Ghost, and as long as they lived under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and exercised the faith of Jesus in their hearts, the healing power of God manifested and is still manifest where this condition exists. Christ in you. Do you know who lives inside of you? Do you know the will of God? The leper did not know the will of God. He said, if you're willing, you can make me whole, clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. Remember, Jesus is the exact representation of God. Never once in Scripture did Jesus deny a healing to anyone that came and touched him. And you might say, well, wait a minute. There was that widow of Canaan. What he was working with her is he was drawing faith out of her. But she got what she came looking for. She pressed through and she received healing. Even though she wasn't part technically yet of the people of God, she got the crumbs that fell from the people's table. And she was happy to get it because her daughter that was demon-possessed got healed through means of the Spirit of God that rested on Jesus. He has anointed me to set the captives free. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And guess what? Same Spirit lives in me and lives in you. Same Spirit came upon me and came upon you. So what's missing? The understanding that Jesus wants to get out. The Spirit of God that lives in you wants to flow through you to heal the sick. You think God really wants to do that? He wants to do that. These signs will follow those who believe. Well, how come it's not happening? 
because we're not aware of this is the will of God and then we're not willing or have not been because of a lack of knowledge willing to by faith follow through with God's will and begin to lay hands on people. We do it to a measure, but if the whole church grasped it, some of us do a little bit, but if we all grasped it and realized that it's by means of the Spirit of God, it's not because he's a pastor of the church, it's not because he went to seminary, it's not because of any of that, it's because of the Spirit of God, which we all have if we're Christians. And the will of God is that the Spirit of God that resides in us would flow through us, and if we would let him out, we'll see people saved, healed, delivered, set free. Do you really think so? What the Bible teaches, for those that did believe, it happened. And if we will but believe and become conscious of the fact that we have something to give away, silver and gold have I none, but I do have something. Right? Listen, I can't counsel you into wholeness, but I can lay my hands on you. And when I lay my hands on you, and the Spirit of God flows through me, might give me the Scripture you need, but I know what He'll do. He'll, the power of God that you need can be released. And you say, well, that's arrogant. Is it arrogant or is it just believing? I know that in myself, I am not able to do anything. How do I know that? Because I've laid hands on a lot of people and nothing happened. I figured out what Rick could do really fast. So when somebody does get well, somebody does get whole, somebody does get healed, Rick can't take any credit for it because God let that happen a lot so that Rick would understand it ain't Rick. There were, <laughs> listen, there, all the gifts of the Spirit are the gifts of the Spirit. There was a guy that had a prophetic, he was a prophet, had a prophetic gifting, and he had this ability to have words of knowledge flow through him incredibly he could look at somebody and the gifts of the spirit would flow through him he would know who they were what they were doing what was happening in their lives and you know he he would flow in this and after a while it's like you forget that it's not you okay so uh, and apparently the lord knew this and so he spoke to him and he said see that boy over there and i think it was like a down syndrome boy and he said i want you to get him i want you to put it on put him on your lap so he got the boy put him on his lap and when he put the boy in his lap, the boy began to do exactly the same thing that he did. He would look at us. He'd know who they were, what they were doing. He was calling them out. He was prophesying over their life. And he was looking at him, and the Lord said, I don't want you to ever forget. It ain't you. Right? I want to do this through your life, but it's not you. It's not us, but he wants to do it through us. And all we've got to do is let him out and give him the glory. It reminds me of Smith Wigglesworth one time. The Lord used him mightily through means of the Holy Spirit. He walked into a room where there was a girl that, that had, was just demon-possessed incredibly, and people had been trying to get her, couldn't do it. He walks in the room. First thing that, that spirit inside the girl says, you can't cast me out. And he said, I can't, but Jesus can. And went along after that, she got set free. And if we just recognize, I can't, but I have someone inside of me who can. You're hearing what I'm saying? You have someone inside of you. Pastor, you do, and so do you. So do you. You can change the world. 
well, I can't change the whole world. You can change your world. How? Do you think it was an accident that Jesus said, when you walk into a home, speak peace to the home? Well, that's just a greeting. Is it just a greeting? He said, if they receive you and welcome you, then leave your peace. But if they don't, take your peace with you. So it wasn't just a greeting, right? He was releasing something into the atmosphere. But if you don't know you have something to release, if it's just a greeting for you, then it will be just a greeting. But if you realize when I speak peace into this home, I am releasing something, these signs will follow those who believe. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what we've seen today is that just as the Holy Spirit's power was released through Moses in the old, the work of the Spirit continued in the new. We saw that Jesus' work of bringing the will of God to bear and setting God's people free from the tyranny of the enemy was accomplished through means of the Holy Spirit in his life. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, the Holy Spirit became available to all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. As a result, the Holy Spirit's power was now given an opportunity to flow through all of God's people that healing, deliverance, and freedom would be available to all who are oppressed by the devil. Remember the text we use, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around in the Holy Spirit and power, doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And then the last text, we've already used it before, but this is what I wanted to leave you with. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater, not greater in capacity, but greater in quantity. Why? Because now all of God's people are infilled with the Holy Spirit. All of God's people. The, the purpose of God was that all of us, and if you're not, God wants you to be, all of us would be baptized with the Holy Spirit and power. Why? So that greater works than these we can do because now there's just not one person in whom the Spirit of God is releasing the Spirit of God. And look at what Jesus did, but now there's a whole company of people. And imagine, somebody I think, was it they say there's one, almost one billion believers on the planet? But imagine if they all knew who lived inside of them. Imagine if they understood the power of God that lived inside them, and they all understood that God's will was to release that power into this world. Imagine the change. 3% of this country made an incredible change in a negative direction. Imagine what would happen if the 50%, because it's dropped now, if the 50% of the people in this country who all confess to be Christians, if they were all releasing the power of God, they were aware of the power of God that was in their life, and they were all releasing it. Imagine what kind of a change that we could do. And you say, well, what, what if they're not doing that? Well, imagine what kind of a change it would do if, because the Bible said that, that uh, Gideon had 32,000 soldiers show up. And God said, that's, not, that's too many. Tell everybody that's afraid to leave. And I think 20,000 people left. And he said, that's still too many. Tell the other people that do this, they've got to leave. Another, another 10,000 left. He was left with 300. Watch what I'll do with 300. Right? So, Imagine, I don't know what the percentage is, you know, maybe 1%, but imagine if all of us who were here today, every one of us, it somehow recognized 
that God lives inside of me. The Spirit of God empowers me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But it's not my will. It's not to do what I want, because like a lot of people are releasing their faith and believing God for what they want. But imagine what would happen if we began to release the power of God to do what He wants. Thank you.